where do you think that comes from? This desire to be this like kind of, oh, it's the patriarchy, isn't it? The answer is it's always the patriarchy. Welcome back to The Book I Needed, the podcast where I chat with someone about an experience they've had and a book that helped them through it. I'm your host, Kelly Rennick. Today, Stacey Ballback and I are discussing the book, How to Keep House While Drowning by Casey Davis. This book centers around the simple yet revolutionary idea that you don't work for your home, your home works for you. Davis discusses the feelings of shame and overwhelm that can accompany care tasks, helps readers understand that messiness is not a moral failing, and reframes chores as an act of kindness towards your future self. Ultimately, this book shows us that when we let go of the idea of perfection, we can finally find solutions that actually work for us. Let's get into it. So with this book, we get an immediate sense of who the author is and what drove her to write this. So essentially, she had her second baby right before the pandemic started. She'd had a whole care plan in place. Um, And that included tons of people to help her out. But obviously, that all went out the window and the world shut down. She's the main caretaker of a toddler and an infant. She's also the main caretaker of the home because her husband started a new job and is working seven days a week. She's postpartum. She's struggling to keep her house spotless. (laughs) So she posted uh, something on TikTok thinking that tons of moms would relate, but the the main comment that she got was lazy. Uh, I think she got a bunch of comments and a lot were positive, but the one that was lazy was the one that she kind of got got stuck on. Yeah, that makes sense. That's typically what happens. Okay, <laughs> yes. so that's where she started. I guess what brought you to this book? How did you find it? I have a weird habit where I get these emails from Kindle. They're like deals of the day. And they're always like, you know, a buck fifty or like two dollars or something and I'll just kind of scroll through and they're usually not interesting to me but this one I I bought it and I, I usually buy them and then don't read them is if I'm being honest um but this is one of the only ones I kind of sat down and read it in, in one sitting I think it hit me at like the perfect time where I was like oh I feel like I'm drowning let me <laughs> let me read this so that's how I found the book why did you feel like you were drowning at that time specifically I can't remember, but I feel that somewhat regularly. So, I mean, (laughs) I think I was just buried with like a bunch of work stuff and, you know, trying to keep the house clean. We've got these two dogs that are a little wild. And I think I was just feeling a bit overwhelmed with all the stuff I had to do. I I can't even remember when this was, so I'm not sure of the specifics, but I definitely feel that way somewhat regularly. (laughs) Same. Which tasks do you feel are hardest to keep up with? I mean, all of them. It depends. I think especially like in shared spaces, you know, like kitchen and living room. And also, I mean, the fur from the dogs just gets everywhere. You vacuum one day and the next day there's like clumps of it everywhere. So that's just, again, it's all the dog's fault. (laughs) Um, But I think it's everywhere, though. I just, you know, I'm a Sagittarius, Kelly, and (laughs) I like to just kind of start things and then leave them. And that that carries over to things around the house. Um, but I, I would say it's kitchen, dishes, laundry. I'll get the laundry clean, but then I don't want to fold it. Um, and then it builds up and then I fold it, you know, days later and it's, it takes me like five minutes. And then I wonder why I did that. <laughs> or so, like put it off for so long. I don't or know. What do you struggle with the most? 
Well, we, we essentially have like a guest bedroom that is the laundry bed. So like I managed to <laughs> I managed to like switch the laundry over from the washer to the dryer in enough time for it to not like smell bad or whatever. Um, but the folding is apparently just mm-hmm. too much for me. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I don't know why. Yeah, I know. And like our closet is in that room. And so we just like. I put all of it on the bed and slowly it disappears. And eventually when the pile becomes less, I like put it away. (laughs) But yeah, I'm in the same boat where it's like, I I don't know why I can't just do the thing right away, but I, it's too much. (laughs) It's, it's so, once you do it, you feel kind of stupid. You're like, wow, that really took five to 10 minutes and now I feel better. But in the moment, I think the other thing too is like, the cycle of cooking and cleaning. I never cooked as much as I have recently. You know, when we lived together in San Francisco, we had our little two bedroom and I feel like it was a lot of like eating out and like having lunch out when you were working. And I don't know, I didn't cook a ton. And now in this new Pittsburgh life, um, it's a lot of cooking and cleaning and then having to like, it it builds up where I'll, I'll cook and then I have a mess and I eat and then I don't want to clean up the mess that night or the dishwasher is full so I can't load the dishwasher and then there's like the hand you know I think it's just kind of accumulates from all these like cycles of cleaning and eating and making food and I I don't know that's a that's a that's another area I think I mentioned the kitchen it's just it's endless in there yeah I mean I guess our lives changed a lot when we lived together Um, you know, we were both, uh, working in tech and working outside of the home. And so I don't know, my breakfast was taken care of. My lunch was taken care of. Sometimes dinner was just like Postmates if I was lazy, which I was lazy 90% of the time. (laughs) Um, yeah. And now, I mean, post, well, pandemic and then post pandemic, the world looks a lot different for us. Like, uh, remote work being in the home all the time so all of your meals are at home and everything you do is creating mess um Mm -hmm. yeah so like it makes sense to me that we kind of feel like we're drowning in it because our lives are different (laughs) yeah I think for both of us we've also just we have a lot more space now now that we're not living in San Francisco Mm -hmm. there's just there's so much house now like there's a basement that I a huge yard like I, I have an extra bedroom that's my office it's great like we went from you know yeah I have a lot I have a lot more space I, I haven't been to your new place but I imagine you have a lot more out there in Vermont we have two toilets Stacy <laughs> oh my god that's two toilets that have to be cleaned <laughs> yeah we have three <gasps> I don't really look at the one in the basement a lot because it's really more for guests, but there are three that, you know, that they need to be clean. Yeah. I mean, we, we had it pretty simple back in the day. What was your home like growing up? Because usually that informs, like, how we feel about it now, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, so growing up, my mom kept the house immaculate she like paid a designer to decorate it um she loved or loves uh decorative objects that don't have any purpose like fake flowers and (laughs) statues of things and pictures and yeah she loves to decorate jane is very um yeah so (laughs) um 
she was really proud of the house. She loved having people over. Um, she's very type A. She had a special room with a fireplace in it and a white carpet and all this like light furniture that we weren't allowed to go in. And she would go there and get alone time from us. And um, yeah, just lots of like fake fruit and like also beautiful like fresh flowers. She loved candles. There's like, you know, like a wooden cabinet with like Norman Rockwell plates displayed wow. on it. I don't, I don't know. Um, I get the vibe. So she took a <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're picking up what I'm down. Yeah. So she took a lot of pride in the house and. Um, so I grew up in, in that environment, I guess. And I, as a child, was not not that tidy. Um, my room was, like, constantly, I think, a point of a contention for us. Like, if she had people over having guests, she would be like, you need to clean your room. Or she would, like, close the door so that people couldn't see it if they walked by. Um, so we bumped heads a lot about my room. Um, I was always in trouble for my room not being clean. Um, and, like, if you were in a shared space, like... If you're in like the kitchen and you put a piece of paper down on the counter, if my mom was home, it would be gone within seconds. And you'd be like, oh, where's that? Where's that thing I sat here on purpose? And she'd be like, oh, sorry, I put it away. And away for her was different than for me. So I think uh, that was sort of the the environment as far as like housekeeping. But also to be clear, my mom didn't like clean the house. She paid people to come in like a cleaning service Mm -hmm. um and people to come and do the laundry because she was working full-time and so was my dad so she did have a lot of help okay uh, as far as all of that when you were young did was it like an act of rebellion for you to keep your room dirty or were you just like i don't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) it was both i think i also i think i have a different style than her like i kind of like a lived-in feel for a house and a little like kind of you know thoughtful clutter I guess like things like I like kind of I think a busier like I mean her stuff was busy too but it was like intentional decoration busy Mm -hmm. I think I also just didn't understand why she cared about my room like that was a lot of our fights was like like I don't care it's my room like just close the door (laughs) and for her it was like a really big deal so it was a mix of the two yeah that makes sense I'm trying to think I don't remember my early childhood and like what that was like because we like lived in a trailer and so I don't remember if it was dirty or clean but I do remember when we moved into like the house my parents built it was very sparsely decorated mostly because I don't think they had a ton of money to furnish it but like my mom was so scared of like messing anything up it's interesting to me that you can't remember like what what it was like in the trailer as far as like care tasks yeah i mean well i think it might be a little bit of a unique situation because travis um my brother Mm -hmm. has autism and that was and yeah, he was born in the early 80s. And so the, it was just like the center of our world, um, like caring for him. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I right. mean, I guess in some ways, care tasks have been a part of my life for always. But it was I was always focused on Travis versus. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that counts as far as care tasks go, because, I mean, obviously, he's not your child that you have to feed, but it's, you know, taking care of the other people in your household yeah, or pets or babies or whatever it is. So I think that 
that's included. So maybe it was less focus on on the cleaning and the laundry and more on kind of the care of uh, yeah, Travis. yeah. I I didn't even really think of that, but he was kind of the center of everything, and so it's yeah, it's hard to think about what my childhood was other than him. <laughs> I know that like as I've moved in with my partner, um, which is you know a, a very different experience. When I lived alone, I was like fine with mess, but when I like moved in with him, I kind of felt like I had to maintain some sort of standard. There's this idea in my head of like who the perfect version of myself would be. And that person would be somebody who like has fresh produce and knows how to cook whatever at any moment and can always feed herself like healthy meals that have all of the nutrients. I'm curious where you think that image came from i know we've already touched on the childhood stuff a little bit like i kind of have that same image in my head of i can keep the house clean i can cook i'm going to make homemade this and that and i i do love cooking and i love baking but oftentimes especially when i'm busy i feel like i bite off more than i can chew and all those recipes on instagram that i scroll through and save i like try to make them and like oh this week like i'm meal planning i'm gonna make this on this day this on that day and blah 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 and then the day comes and i you know get stuck working or doing something or there's a leak in the house and i have to call you know whatever something comes up and i'm like uh you know my partner comes home and like i didn't make dinner i don't know what we're eating tonight i was gonna do this thing but i didn't um i'm curious sorry that was long-winded no where you think that image comes from because i think like I have that same image of like, oh, this is this is what I should be doing. But my my mother did not cook a lot. She, I know. you know, kind of proudly exclaimed like, I can't cook. She could make meatloaf and like sea bass and you know <laughs> broccoli, just so soft and like covered in butter and just like my mom is not a homemaker. She didn't do really a lot of cleaning, laundry, cooking. Yeah. And I don't. I'm wondering like I, from from what you've said about your childhood, I feel like you kind of had a similar not upbringing, obviously, but like a similar situation where your mom wasn't as much of like a homemaker oh, type totally. or like, I, I don't know. So I'm curious, where do you think that comes from? This desire to be this like kind of, oh, it's the patriarchy, isn't it? I, I think I know. know. I was just thinking that I was like, <laughs> well, I was like, is it capitalism? Is it advertising? Is it the, the fact that technology for women has been to uh, clean the house more efficiently so you can do more? Like advertising mops to us and shit all the time yeah, back like, in the day, and all these like meals for your husband when he gets home. Yeah, but that Dyson yeah. though, <laughs> it is great. Love the Dyson. I would like it if I was if I was a man too. It's just a great tool. That is that is a really good point though, because yeah, that wasn't my upbringing. You know, Midwestern. My mom knew how to make a few casseroles, but like really, it was like hamburger helper, like tuna helper, hot dogs like pizza rolls like there was nothing healthy about the food I ate yeah um same yeah so honestly having those expectations of myself to know how to cook is already setting myself up for failure (laughs) (laughs) same I grew up on like top ramen and bagel bites like we got to grocery shop for ourselves and of course I'm a kid I pick horrible things frozen mac and cheese one of my favorites Mm -hmm. like I didn't I didn't have this model of like this cooking kind of cleaning machine in my home so yeah and I don't think you did either so it's just I don't know I guess the uh, the projection of like what we're supposed to be which would be uh which would be the patriarchy (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
interesting that this that men don't feel the same pressure i think we're starting to put the pieces together ah, it's <laughs> the answer is it's always the patriarchy <laughs> it's always the patriarchy or capitalism or both yeah i think that this this book really helped me like i don't know redefine what I how I feel about cleaning because I definitely like I didn't know that I was coming from a place of shame until it was laid mm-hmm. out for me and she was just like caretaking tasks are morally neutral and I was like but I'm a bad wife <laughs> if I can't like keep everything together all the time but the reality is like sometimes you just gotta heat up something in the microwave <laughs> And that is morally (laughs) neutral. It does not mean I'm a bad person. It does not mean I'm a bad wife. It doesn't mean I don't know how to run a household or whatever the fuck. Um, And yeah, hearing that reiterated over and over again, that like these are morally neutral tasks and we just need to make these things function for us so that we can function in the world. That was really helpful. And that's what I think is really nice about this book is even though, like you're saying, it seems like obvious to be like, you know, it's not a moral, it's not a moral character flaw if you can't get your laundry done or whatever it is. Um, That seems really obvious, but I think I needed that to be told to me. And I think it kind of reframed, you know, what she calls care tasks, which I got, you know, for, for the listeners, like anything that's cooking, cleaning, laundry, feeding, uh, dishes, hygiene, scheduling appointments, like all of these things that you have to do um, that are are functional, that you need to do, but you know, you can't always find the time. So I think I think that was a really nice thing for me to read at the time. And she just talks a lot about going easy on yourself and kind of tackling what you can. And she provides mm-hmm. all these um, tactics that are really helpful um, to to help sort of sort out things in your home and and in your life. Yeah. Have you been using any of those at all? Like, you know, her five things tidying is kind of how I sort of like to clean as well. It's it's kind of like sorting, right? Like finding all the trash first and taking care of that and then like dishes. Um, It's like going into a room and sort of sorting. Like here's laundry. Here's things that are not in their place. Here's things that like don't have a place in this room. And instead of kind of digging in and like taking the trash out at the moment you just kind of sort it and then you deal with it later so I, I sort of do that anyway um but I haven't like used a lot of them I don't think and some of the things that I think she mentioned I can't remember now she had quite a few little like practical and applicable methods in there I didn't dig into those too much I sort of just think I really leaned on like the whole self-compassion message that she had and sort of the reframing of of errands and chores and care tasks um that resonated a lot with me but I do, I think, I feel like she mentioned listening to podcasts or doing things like that while you're, um, while you're doing chores. And that's something that I do anyway. Like I got really deep into podcasts during COVID um, or during the pandemic. And so that like motivates me to like, okay, put on my headphones, do the dishes, listen to this podcast and catch up on this thing. Or, okay, I have to go to the gym. I'm going to watch this reality TV, TV like trash right now. And <laughs> that'll get me through my workout. So I already kind of did that. And that was, um, I don't, I feel like she mentioned something like that in the book, possibly. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was kind of like, if you pair something that you enjoy doing with a task, then you'll maybe not look forward to the task, but you'll, you'll have a positive association with it. 
And so, yeah, I do the same thing where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and watch The Bachelor. And uh, then I'm going to fold the laundry and listen to The Bachelor recap. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This kind of, this is nice for me to read at this time because, you know, she talks a lot about having a family, having children and stuff, which is in the pipeline Mm -hmm. for me. And so it's (laughs) in the pipeline. (laughs) That's what I call my uterus. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, like giving yourself permission to not be perfect all the time. I think she has a chapter about how this is like a book for self-help rejects. Um, and she talks about people and there's nothing wrong with saying this and there's nothing wrong with self-help. But she does kind of touch on how people, uh, influencers and people on Instagram or whatever in books and wherever, I don't know, wherever there's self-help things are talk about like, oh, we all have 24 hours in the day. And they have all this like kind of toxic positivity around like, you know, here's this method for this, or just do like a capsule wardrobe or just Marie Kondo everything. And like, I've, I mean, I've drank the Kool-Aid for a lot of those things. I I like Marie Kondo, but, um, I think what she, the, the point she makes that I think is, is, is valid is that, um, you know, people have different levels of privilege and resources that are contributing to whatever circumstances they're in, or they might be dealing with mental health problems or wh- whatever it happens to be. And so there's different demands and limitations on time that people have. And so it's not blanket solutions don't work. Someone saying someone that has the, you know, the resources to outsource all of these care tasks can easily be like, oh, we all have the same amount of time in the day, but they have a lot of money to be able to pay people to kind of take care of these things for them. And so I like that the book isn't just um, kind of heading in that direction. It's more like her, she has a philosophy. Yeah. And it's that, you know, you don't exist to serve your space. Your space exists to serve you. And I think that's really simple and it's really nice. And all this stuff about self-compassion that she talks about, like, I think it's really helpful. And it's it, for me at the time of reading it, it felt like something that actually helped me in the moment versus trying to do this like aspirational, like color-coded bookcase closet whatever like gallery wall thing that is everywhere speaking of care tasks this puppy archie is crying so i need to step away for one second from this and just let him out or no worries hey i'm back and it seems like archie just wanted to go outside and like listen to another dog bark and <laughs> stare off into the distance so that's what we did that's one of the care tasks that you've done in pittsburgh right is like send the dogs to doggy daycare sometimes so that they can become exhausted <laughs> yes that is one of the things that i've tried to take off my plate um taking them to dog daycare two to three times a week is a lifesaver because, you know, I'm working from home all the time. They're constantly, you know, 4 p.m. hits and Archie acts like he's starving. I'm like, you don't even eat at four. You eat like at five or six. I don't know why you're showing up on my Zoom call (laughs) begging me for food like I never (laughs) feed you. Um, And he's also just, he has so much energy. Like he needs, you know, 30 dogs to wear him out. And so that is a blessing. Um, The other thing I've started to do too is I hired someone to come and clean or like a service to come and clean the house once a month. Um, I'd love to do it more. It's not cheap, but it's really, really nice to get to just 
what does what does Casey Davis say? Reset your space. Like it just mm-hmm. feels really nice every month to have someone come in, and you have to clear the clutter out so that they can actually clean. Yeah. Um, so it's not like a housekeeper, but they come and just kind of do all of this like deeper cleaning than I could ever do, to be honest. And it's it's amazing. I know that not everyone has the resources to do that, but if you do, uh, it's been really helpful for me just to get a reset because you know it builds up. And I, the author talks about this too, like. The thing about care tasks is they're they're cyclical. Like they never end. You, you're never going to be done washing the dishes or doing laundry or cleaning or any of this stuff. And so there's always like vet appointments or you always have to feed your kids and dogs or whatever. So yeah, um, it's nice to get help if you if you can if you can do that. Yeah, she says something really good about that. She had the reader ask themselves if you aren't accepting help, why? Mm-hmm. So which is like going back to the moral thing, like kind of putting the pressure on yourself to be perfect and the like unrealistic pressure of I can do all of this all the time which sometimes we can't sometimes we need a little help getting that reset and also realizing that if you're paying someone fairly for their work and treating them kindly and you know really valuing them then it's it's fine that's you know that's a job you know, there's a lot that in order for some people to be, you know, successful and out in the world, a lot rides on the back of women and people of color. And so I think a lot of the time when I think of asking for any sort of service like that, I get a little weary because I'm like, are they getting paid? I know that you and I used a service in San Francisco, but very quickly, I think it was like after one of the first times I saw that person, he was like, hey, if you just text me when you need this and we, or we just set up like a two-week thing, uh, that would be better for me. And I was like, oh, okay, noted. Like I think because the service was taking such a large cut of that money or the, the little mm. platform. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called now. But yeah, I mean, the... The fair treatment of people is important to note in that discussion. Yeah, definitely. And I think about how a lot of these tasks fall on, tend to fall on women Mm -hmm. because, you know, the patriarchy. Um, (laughs) And I think it's not just the patriarchy. I'm I'm sort of, I'm not kidding, but I'm kind of kidding. I think it's also like pressure that we put on ourselves, right? Like, yes, I I work a full-time job. Cody, or my partner obviously works a lot more hours than me because he's in the hospital but I I put pressure on myself because I want the house to to look a certain way I want things to be clean I want to walk in and a lot of it is just not just shame for sure but also stress like it stresses me out if I'm in the middle of work and I walk into the kitchen and it's a mess I'm like I know I'm supposed to be working but I also just like want to do these dishes or I want to take care of this mess here there's just always things to do um and I think aside from that falling on women, which it, it, it tends to do, um, I think it's just pressure that we're putting on ourselves or just preferences. Like we want things to be functional. We want things to be clean. Um, and I also don't think that men tend to receive the same like message when they're younger, maybe that, that they're bad if they don't keep their house clean. Like it doesn't, I, I mean, yeah, I think I that's a broad think generalization. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a generalization. However, like at least my experience with, with my partner, 
he doesn't care. Like when I start freaking out about, oh, I don't know what we're having for dinner. I'm sorry. Like everything, I don't, not a poly, but I'm like, oh, it's such a mess. Like I'm all stressed out. And he's like, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't care if it's messy or I don't care if we, if you didn't like cook. And I'm like, but I want, I wanted to cook this thing and I didn't have time or I wanted to clean this, but I didn't have time. You know, like I'm kind of like explaining to him. He's like, why do you care? (laughs) We've had that same like dilemma so many times where, and for me, it can get a little like, I didn't wipe down the counters. I like, I'm, I'm sorry. I like didn't like, uh, mop up the floor from when the dogs came in all muddy and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, something that isn't necessary for the house to be functional. Like, we can still live in the house. It's fine. We can still cook (laughs) our meals. We can still do this. But like, and Nick will always just be like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get to it. And I always think of it as this like huge failure on my own part. Um, or I have, and this book has really helped me kind of reframe my thinking and just be like, oh, you know, the house is, this room is dirty because I took the dogs on a really fun walk and they had a great time. You asked, we talked about what feelings it brings up a little, well, we kind of did. Um, <laughs> and I also feel a lot of shame when I have a huge list of stuff that I know I need to do. I've been wanting to do it for a while. And then I finally get that moment. Where I'm like, okay, I can do it. But instead I like sit on the couch and I watch trash TV or like I scroll <laughs> through Instagram looking at recipes that I'm never going to so cook. Relatable. And then I start to feel guilty because I know I'm not going to cook them. And that I think is actually when I feel, aside from just the shame of feeling like, if so I have this weird, sorry, I'm jumping around. I just had a thought. Um <laughs> Going back to my mom and her pride in our house, whenever people would come over, she would do a full tour. It would be like, oh, and here's the laundry room, and here's our our garage, and here's my nice room, and here's the office. Like, she would walk people through the house. And so for some reason, I think I have this, like, if if someone comes over, in my head, they're going to look through the entire house. And they don't do that. That's not normal. I'll offer it up too, but I like need every room to be as if someone was going to walk in and I need it to be like a decent level of presentable. And often that's me stuffing things into like drawers and like hiding some of the mess. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, like that's what I think when someone with there's going to be company and like for my partner, he's like, he's like, Oh, my friends are coming. I'm like, Oh, okay. What are their like dietary restrictions? Like where like <laughs> I, I start thinking about all this stuff and I need to make every room clean and like, so do they like uh, linen sheets or flannel? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just go through this like turmoil and I think I, I, so I feel shame if someone comes in and the house is not ready. Like if there's unexpected, which doesn't really happen, but it, you know, there's that shame. But then there's also the shame of like, I should be cleaning. I should be taking care of this. Yeah. I have this long list of like mail I haven't opened or bills I need to pay or whatever it is. And instead I just sit there and, and do nothing. And that's another different kind of shame that I feel. I hear that and I completely relate um yeah especially yeah if I if like Nick comes home or something and like I've done none of the dishes and like you know the house isn't really it's it's not spotless or whatever and I'm like sitting there you know on my phone playing a game while some trash tv is playing which you know happens more often than not (laughs) Yeah, the amount of, like, guilt or shame that I feel in those moments where I'm like, ugh, like, I could have done more, but it's like, why? (laughs) 
why do I feel like I <laughs> need to? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't need. Technically, I don't need to be sitting there being like, you know, zoning out or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's nice to just not think, and that's how I stop myself thinking. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I I think that uh, Casey Davis kind of talks about that too, is like, if you're looking at all of these tasks as moral, your motivation to do them is often, you know, what we're talking about, shame, Mm -hmm. uh, so that you feel like a failure if you don't do them. And then it feels like you never actually get to relax because like we touched on earlier, like the work's never going to be done. You're never going to be done with all of these Mm -hmm. tasks. They're ongoing, they're cyclical. And if you're treating rest like your reward for getting things done, you're never you're never going to be able to actually rest or feel relaxed. Totally. Yeah, I remember reading that and it, I felt like it unlocked something for me where I was like, that's why I never feel calm. <laughs> <laughs> Same. There was one thing I thought was really funny. So my beef with like self-care books mostly is that generally for those types of books, they have a few main points and they could easily get it done in like 70 pages, right? But they go on forever (laughs) and it's called filler. (laughs) And this book didn't do that to a big extent because it was like trying to be for neurodivergent people and like trying to be very concise but there was one piece of filler that I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> did you see Tell Did me. you see the poem about baskets? Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that, to me, was like the most random piece of filler in a non-filler type book I've ever seen. It was, um, it was a choice that was made. <laughs> it was a choice. She really likes baskets. That's, that's the takeaway from right. that. I she writes poetry. I mean, that. I like uh, drawers and anything that hides that I can just throw shit in. And then like every six months, I, I clean it out and put it on the surface and then I put it back in. Dude, same. <laughs> same. I know. I have a, I have a, I, uh, I don't know if I want to tell you this. I did a closet clean out. That's the other thing. There's like clean, you know, where things look clean. And then I always have this list of like, super ambitious like deep cleaning projects that I want to do for like years and years and I don't do them but it's like cleaning out my closet like giving my clothes I don't do okay I do it's it's more frequent than years but it takes a long time for me to get to them and I did that recently like I swapped out my my you know winter clothes for my my summer clothes and whatever did that sort of moved things around um but I ended up with this big pile of stuff at the end I was like I don't know what to do with this like where do I put this and I remembered the book and the basket poem actually (laughs) And I put everything into like a laundry basket. And then I left that in my hallway for a couple of days and realized I wasn't going to do anything with it. So now it's in my bathtub that I never use because we have you know, two bathrooms. And one has a shower that's functional and one just has a bathtub that is now just storing so my stuff. And it's, it's not a long-term solution, <laughs> but I loved just kind of the basket was bothering me, but I didn't know where to put it. So, you know, she has a point. I don't know if it had to be in a in a a poem form but you know she's passionate about baskets but yeah do you have like a clothing chair yeah yep. I I, do. I essentially have like a clothing dresser where I just throw everything on top of it and then I'm like well I'm gonna put it away later because I only wear it once and then eventually the pile gets so high that I just throw it in the hamper anyway 
So that yeah. book encouraged yeah. me to just throw it in the hamper. So yeah. I also really relate to what you said about, well, like, the, if the house is a certain level of messy, I have a tendency to walk into a room and see something that needs to be done and then start doing it. And then I'll see something else and jump to that. And before I know it, I've done nothing, but I've <laughs> wasted a lot of time and like maybe I'll be, I don't know, organizing a drawer that I don't use because I needed a place for something that was out of place or like whatever. Um, and so <laughs> that's just to say that her technique of like, focusing on one thing at a time being like okay i'm going to remove all of the trash from the room and just focus on that Mm -hmm. and don't do anything else um that's a that for me has been a really good like guardrail system from keeping myself from being like oh but what about that and this thing over here and also like i wanted to learn painting (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh Uh, yep (laughs) Do I have watercolors here? Yep. Have I used them a lot? No. (laughs) Twice. I hear you. Yeah. I'm actually curious, since you brought that up, um, the author talks a lot about um, being a creative with ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this, so please tell me to stop if you're you're not or just cut it out of the the podcast. But um, I'm curious about... I, I imagine you you know have similar I don't know I wonder what parts of that resonated with you uh I would say all of it um (laughs) (laughs) even the way the book is written is really good because Mm -hmm. it targets people that are neurodivergent and so Mm -hmm. to be like hey, you don't even have to read all of this book to get the takeaways. You can skip to this chapter. These ones are highlighted because this is the most important thing you need to know. It was really thoughtful. um, And I really Mm -hmm. appreciated that because I would say when I'm kind of in my worst, eh, worst, that's a judgment, isn't it? Um, When I'm at my most scattered and really unable to focus on any one thing. It's really nice for someone to just be like, hey, this thing, here, I'm telling you what to do. And it's one thing. Yeah. Um, So I really, I found that to be super helpful because I think that's a really common thing, even for me in my creative work, where I'll be working on one story or I'll be reading something and then I'll have an idea and I'll be like, well, I need to write that down. And then I'll be in my notes and I'll see another note that I put down and I'll be like, oh, I need to work on that. I need to expand this. And then I'll be like, before I know it, I've, I've done nothing, (laughs) but I have a bunch of like word vomit on the screen. (laughs) Yes. I, I don't have, you know, any form of diagnosed ADD, ADHD, but I can also relate to that. You walk into a room to do something, you see something, you forget what you were doing. You do something else. You open a drawer, you go to your phone and you're like, I'm going to check this. And then you end up, you know, scrolling through something that's not related to what you initially intended to do um and I yeah I agree I thought it was really thoughtful the way that she started the book with like hey this is like designed for neurodivergent people um here's a shortcut I think that really kind of gets back to the heart of the book where it's people reading it that feel like they're drowning and don't have time to do anything um and it also was nice that she kind of 
also included people that are struggling with depression or just feeling overwhelmed by isolation or, you know, whatever it is, it, it doesn't have to be ADD, ADHD. It's, it's kind of anyone that just feels like they're drowning, trying to keep their house. She, I loved, I loved this book. I'm really glad that you, uh, that you recommended it. I felt like she, um, it was just like so concise and I really enjoyed her philosophy and it just seemed so workable mm-hmm. wherever you were in your in your journey with your care tasks. Yeah, and don't thank me. Thank Kindle deals deals of the day because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Honored to be a part of this, and please don't put the poem in. <laughs> don't put the poem in. Rich man's world. Thanks again to Stacy for talking with me about How to Keep House While Drowning by Casey Davis. There will be a link to the book in the show notes if you're interested in checking it out for yourself. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. I'm your host and producer, Kelly Rennick. Stick around if you want to hear a poem about baskets. Thanks for listening. I don't think we're including it anyway, but I want to see it now that we talked about it. I'm Oh, now we're going to. <laughs> oh, no. What did we even say about it? Some shit. And we'll, you know, we'll take the podcast out with a little, a little poem. <laughs> do you want to, like, trade off lines? How do we do this? An ode to baskets. An ode <laughs> to baskets. Sorry. <laughs> go no, for go. it. You got it. An ode to baskets. Big baskets. Little baskets. Clear baskets. Wicker baskets. Baskets from the Dollar Tree. Baskets that I got for free. Baskets of shoes. Baskets of books. Baskets in all my crannies and nooks. Nice. (laughs) And here's the key. Here's the trick. The baskets go where the stuff already went. Laundry that ends up on the dining room floor. Put a basket there and there's mess no more. So true. That's true. The stress of a cluttered <laughs> counter easily ends when you put it all in a box or a bed. If you're feeling fancy, you could purchase a basket's cousin, such as a tray <laughs> or a lazy <laughs> susan. I think it's a lazy susan, it's, but it doesn't rhyme with cousin. <laughs> I was trying to help her out with a the rhyme, lazy but susan. It, it's susan. <laughs> <laughs> My organizational system is on its face. Just putting a basket in the right place. Amen. (laughs) Amen.